Welcome to Season 6 of the Marrow Masters Podcast Series, sponsored by the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Insight Corporation, and Cadman. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and their families cope with the psychosocial challenges of transplant, from diagnosis through survivorship. This season focuses on advice for dealing with GVHD from both patients and healthcare professionals. Here's your host, Executive Director of the NBMT Link, Peggy Burkhardt. Welcome, everyone. This series, Season 6, focuses on all things GVHD. We're going to peel back some layers, talk to experts and patients alike about their struggles, victories, best tips, and so much more. So get ready. Get ready to be inspired, educated, and updated on this tricky disease. GVHD might be a part of your life post-transplant, but we want you to be encouraged that it is most likely temporary. We'll learn from healthcare professionals and survivors this season who want to share with you so that you can beat GVHD and thrive despite it. You'll appreciate their grit, honesty, and determination to help you live your best life with their guidance and experiences. So today we welcome Molly Gologli, MD, PhD, attending physician and director of the GVHD program at the Seidman Cancer Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Dr. Gologli, please tell me about your GVHD clinic. I'm so excited to learn about this. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on the program. This is a great opportunity to talk about what we've built here at Seidman Cancer Center over the last couple of years. Before I start, I just want to acknowledge my mentors who trained me and got me started on the path of focusing on graft-versus-host disease. I was fortunate enough to train here in Cleveland for my residency and my hematology and oncology fellowship and having the opportunity to train with Dr. Hillard Lazarus, Dr. Brenda Cooper, and Dr. Marcos DeLima really helped me identify, you know, this focus uh, for myself. And Dr. DeLima was great in giving me this opportunity to focus on graft-versus-host disease. He helped me really gave me the resources and the support staff and the idea to build this clinic. And I'm just so glad that it's um, growing year by year. So I would love to talk with you about it. Terrific. So our clinic is held once per week. We see patients in the outpatient area in regular clinic rooms, but we'll also go down to see them in infusion if they have a treatment that's planned. And we see any patient that has been newly diagnosed with graft-versus-host disease, whether acute, happening within the first 100 days, or chronic, usually coming on after the first 100 days after transplant. So any patient who's newly diagnosed is seen by us. And then after the initial visit, we will follow them for as long as their symptoms are active. Sometimes we will see them on a weekly basis if we're making treatment changes kind of very quickly based on their symptom changes. And we'll see them as infrequently as maybe every six months if their symptoms are stable. And part of the reason for just continuing that follow-up, even if things seem stable, is just to make sure that there's no changes, even if they're subtle, you know, that we might want to pick up on and that would prompt us to change their management. So I see my own patients that I've transplanted myself, but then any other patient that belongs to one of the physicians in our practice can be referred to specifically focus on graft-versus-host disease. And I think that can be helpful because during a post-transplant follow-up visit, there are so many things to think about. You know, how are the labs looking? How is the graft function? 
how are patients feeling in all different ways. And sometimes going through all of those things kind of short changes the focus on graft versus host. And so when we have our dedicated visit, we're able to kind of go from head to toe to really explore all of the potential symptoms or signs that they might be having that suggest, you know, an involvement by graft versus host disease. So we do a very detailed interview. We do a physical exam that includes a full skin exam. We want to accurately, you know, stage and grade their disease. And what that means is figuring out exactly what body areas are involved and how severe the graft versus host disease is. We do a um, in-office breathing test called spirometry to see how their lungs are doing. Um, We can take pictures of their skin and we can provide educational materials that can help them to better understand what graft versus host disease is and what our goals are going to be together to help them with their disease symptoms. And then after that initial assessment or any time that we see them after that, we may refer them to another specialist that might help us with a specific area that's involved with their disease. So if they have skin involvement, we might refer to dermatology to get a biopsy to confirm that what they have is graft versus host disease and not some other problem with the skin. We have an oral medicine specialist in our dental school who helps us with some mouth or tongue symptoms if the initial management approach maybe does not help the patient. If we need extra help, then that person is there for us. We may refer to specialists in other areas like pulmonary for lungs, GI for the stomach or intestines or psychiatry just, you know, for general coping and stress that can go along with this. And one of our most helpful people that we refer to is endocrinology because when we start patients on steroids, a lot of the time they have trouble with their blood sugar. And we have a wonderful physician assistant that we count on for really great help with that. When this clinic started, we had two visits. And then last year, 2020, we had over 100 visits to our clinic. Wow, that's a huge jump. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do have a question. So you said earlier, every six months, Now, how long will that go on post-transplant? Is it a few years? Uh, Is it just one year? So it depends on the patient. So any patient who has chronic graft-versus-host disease that has been diagnosed, they should be seen every six months for a a disease reassessment, which means that we do the head-to-toe exam, we ask our questions, just to make sure that there isn't a new body area that may be involved or that their symptoms may be changing but for a patient who hasn't been diagnosed with graft versus host disease, usually their primary oncologist can do a screening to see if it looks like they have any signs or symptoms that would make us suspect that they have graft versus host and then they would come to our clinic. But once they've had the diagnosis, we like to see them every six months because sometimes even when things quiet down, we'll see something new crop up and we just don't want to miss that. And will that go on for several years? It kind of goes on indefinitely. If there are several visits where there's nothing new, then, you know, they may go back to their primary oncologist. But in their general like survivorship visit that they have, even outside of our clinic, they should always be asked things like, do you have dry eyes or dry mouth or a skin rash or shortness of breath? You know, things like that. Questions that are focused on picking up on the symptoms of graft versus host disease. That sounds great. So what makes a GVHD clinic visit successful and helpful for a patient? So I think that on both parts, um, from the physician or the advanced practice provider who's taking care of the patient and then the patient themselves, I think the most important thing are time and details. 
So I always block out a longer time period for my graft versus host disease appointments because I think it's very important to focus on the details of their symptoms. So in graft versus host disease, whether it's acute or chronic, many symptoms are subjective. So the way that a patient describes the symptoms is very important. So for example, a symptom like nausea is a little bit hard to quantify. So if someone's primary symptom is nausea, I try to ask them very specifically what it feels like, how often, how many days of the week they're experiencing it, how many parts of the day, do they wake up nauseous, do certain foods make them nauseous, how many times do they need to use nausea medicine. You know, all these little details can be helpful for the next visit because if someone says, I don't know, maybe it's a little better, or maybe it's a little worse, but you go through all those details, sometimes after you know, a period of time, they might not realize small improvements or small worsenings. And so I, I tend to read back the patient's exact words when they come back to me. And I say, well, last time you said it was about, you know, three times a week and it tended to be after this food. And then they say, oh, you know what? You know, that is better. I actually <laughs> yeah. don't have that happen anymore. They'll say, actually, no, now it's every day. And they might not realize, you know, that as much. So I try to be very, very specific. Another thing that can be helpful in terms of those details or trying to remember something that is a little more on the subjective side or not very consistent symptom could be to use a symptom diary. So even one of those like at the dollar store, those little pocket diaries or little pocket calendars that you would keep in your bag. Uh -huh. You know, if you just write every day, you know, for a, f a few weeks or months, if you put every day, whatever you're keeping track of, if it's nausea or diarrhea or, you know, something, a symptom that could recur or be you know, to give it a number on a scale or how many times you needed to use medicine to make it better, then those kinds of things kind of will help. Sometimes then you can see patterns come out or see that really things really haven't changed a whole lot. And so that's helpful. It's a little bit of work for the patient and for me to be so detail oriented. But I think that sometimes that can really help make something that seems kind of slippery a little bit more concrete. And something else that could help if a patient has something that recurs, if it's on their skin, for example, like a rash, you know, I think it's inevitable that, you know, a patient will have a symptom that is visible and then they call and by the time they come in, you can't see it anymore. So just taking a picture on your phone, you know, when something comes up or if it's in the mouth or on the skin, if it's something that comes and goes, taking a picture when it's at its worst or, you know, giving an idea of how much of the body was involved, it can be really helpful. Um, a picture can be, you know, worth a thousand words. So I think that is helpful as well. Just simple things too, like wearing clothing to the appointment that is easy to, you know, to see the skin. So sometimes we'll have patients take off all their clothes and put on a gown. But if it's something like just looking at an area on the leg and you want to pull up the pants, but they're like tight jeans or, you know, or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, wearing loose clothing that's easy to move can be helpful too. Um, so for me, time and details are the most important and it has really helped me from appointment to appointment zero in on really what is better or worse. This is fabulous. I think of all the people that I've talked to through the years that I'm sure they wish there was a clinic like this at their center. Mm. Um, but, you know, even just learning what to ask. And like you said about a picture, it is amazing. We all have a phone in our hand at all times that has a camera for the most part. So mm -hmm. it is pretty easy to do that. And it's very telling, like you said. So what are some of the most helpful things for GVHD patients to know? I mean, I would say there are a couple that 
mostly have to do with mindset. And they're ones that took me a little while to learn myself as I, you know, saw more and more patients who, you know, struggle with graft-versus-host disease. The first one, I think, is just the mindset that graft-versus-host disease can be a long haul. So sometimes it can be quick and dramatic and it goes away, like sometimes the very initial acute graft-versus-host that affects the skin or the GI tract, you know, comes on very suddenly and it responds to steroids and it's just gone and then it never comes back. And that's sort of, you know, sometimes the best case scenario, but sometimes it can come on quickly, but it can be hard to get it to really resolve. And I think a lot of our other treatments tend to work faster than our treatments for graft versus host, or maybe because it's a side effect and not the treatment itself, we don't have as much patience with it and we want to make it go away faster. Sometimes we can accept that the treatment for the cancer takes a long time, but it's hard to accept that treatment for a side effect can take so long, especially when the treatments themselves can be rough, like, you know, steroids, for example. So sometimes just having the expectation that this happened quickly, but it may take a while to get better is helpful to just know moving forward, not to be constantly disappointed week after week if the recovery is slow. The way I, you know, think about the different ways that graft versus host can kind of tell its story in a patient is sometimes, again, it's very fast. It's almost like a downpour in the rain where it just, it soaks you and it surprises you and then the sun comes out and you dry off and it's better. And that's kind of how I think about the acute graft versus host disease. It's temporary and it sometimes can be severe, but it you know, when it resolves and goes away quickly, then it's a little bit easier to accept. Whereas I think sometimes, you know, when graft versus host disease comes on quickly and can be really hard to get used to and take a long time to go away, it's more like a storm at sea where you're kind of tossed up and down all over the boat and then finally the sun comes out, but then you have to rebuild the ship again. And, you know, there's really a bit of reconstruction that has to happen and it lasts longer and it feels scary and it's hard. And I think that in graft versus host treatment, you know, slow and steady kind of wins the race. And we all want to get our patients off steroids. We want those steroid related side effects to improve quickly. And it's very, very hard as an inpatient person to, you know, slowly wean the steroids and try to be very patient or whatever the treatment may be, whether it's phototherapy or other pills or you know, whatever we choose to treat the graft versus host. Whenever there's a flare or a worsening of the symptoms, it's very frustrating, I think, for the patient and for the physician. And usually when we're patient and methodical and slow, we can get through. And that's really hard as someone, as I said, I mean, I'm impatient. Our patients get frustrated <laughs> with the side effects. It's one of the hardest things to do sometimes is sit on your hands and just give a little bit of time for things to get better. So like that is one thing that I think is sometimes hard to wrap my head around. I see it in patients as well. So I try to tell them at the outset that this might take longer to get through than for it to happen to them. And the other one is that steroids are really rough. Um, some patients that I have who need steroids for their graft-versus-host disease, they take their maximum dose and they don't have any trouble sleeping and they you know, maintain their weight and their blood sugar doesn't go high and they don't feel cranky. And, and that's unusual. And that's really the exception. Steroids, I kind of think of as like buy one, get three free. Every time you start on steroids, you get a bunch of other things for free, whether it's <laughs> like extra medicines you have to take to prevent infection or extra side effects that you have. You know, a lot of patients struggle with difficulty sleeping, 
uh, fluid retention, high blood sugar, where they might have to see an endocrinologist or take insulin when they never did before. And it's taking on so much with their health. And it's almost like something not only for them to experience, but the whole, all of the caregivers experience the side effects of steroids too, because, you know, they're taking care of a patient who may have mood symptoms or, you know, need extra help. And so everyone kind of feels the burden of steroid side effects. And just again, knowing at the outset that it can be hard, but anticipating what some of the side effects may be. And with our clinic trying to provide all the possible support through that, whether it be with endocrinology or psychiatry, knowing that the main purpose is to get through the disease and that anytime we can use a a medicine that minimizes steroids, you know, that we will. And what's really exciting now is that there are so many more options for that than there ever were. That's great. I know steroids is one of the topics that comes up a lot with our patients. It's such a love-hate and such a balancing act. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate you covering steroids. So let's talk about clinical trials. Are they a part of your practice? Absolutely. So where I am at University Hospitals in Cleveland, we have a lot of trials within our hematology oncology group and then specifically within transplant. We have many active trials and some of those are focused on graft-versus-host disease. The thing with trials that is um, sort of exciting is that there's always something new coming up to try for, you know, any indication, whether it be graft-versus-host disease or any other, you know, blood cancer. But one of the things that goes with this constant influx of new ideas is there's also a little bit of a revolving door with the trials themselves because they open and close. And sometimes we'll have availability for certain situations within graft-versus-host disease. And then that trial may close and then we have a different situation open. And what I mean by that is there are trials to prevent graft-versus-host disease from happening in the first place. There are trials that will treat um, newly diagnosed graft-versus-host disease. And there are trials that are designed specifically for graft-versus-host disease that is not easily fixed with the treatments that we currently have available. And so at any given time, you know, we may have a few of these open. We don't always have a trial for every single patient situation. But right now, we have a few different trials available for prevention. And the prevention studies are designed so that before a patient even goes to transplant, when they're getting set up, you know, from within our group of physicians and and transplant coordinators, we would identify who would be a candidate for one of those trials. So, For example, some trials are focused on patients who get their cells from a specific source, like matched unrelated donors only, or um, any patient getting a reduced intensity conditioning regimen, meaning that the chemotherapy they get prior to their transplant is decreased in dose to make it less toxic. And usually those are restricted to certain populations because the trial is designed to answer a very specific question about how their graft-versus-host disease prevention strategy might help someone in that specific situation. So if any patient who is eligible for one of those studies is identified before their transplant and they're offered the study before they even come into the hospital... um, For those who may have newly diagnosed graft-versus-host disease, something that we do is before anyone even gets treated, they always run the patient by me to see if there are any trials that are open. We used to have one open for newly diagnosed acute graft-versus-host. Now we have one open for newly diagnosed chronic graft-versus-host disease. And because I'm the point person um, within my group, if they ask me when a new patient is identified with a new diagnosis, I can always immediately refer them to a trial if they are eligible. 
And another way that we identify patients with newly diagnosed graft versus host is if they are in the hospital, something that we notice within our program is that when the patients are not in the outpatient world, sometimes they're a little bit separated from the GVHD clinic. And so what we started doing is once a week, we meet with the inpatient team and we go over any patient with active graft-versus-host disease to make sure that their disease is assessed appropriately and that they're on the right type of treatment. And if any patient is identified as having a new diagnosis, then that's how we catch them so that they don't then lose their window for eligibility, you know, when they go home from the hospital. I mean, we call that uh, our GVHD rounds uh, when we do that once a week with the inpatient team. The other kind of trial that we have open, the type that is for patients with kind of stubborn disease or what we call refractory disease, would be patients who have already been treated according to the standard of care, um, which is usually prednisone and possibly another uh, medication on top of that. If their graft-versus-host disease is still not getting better, then that's when we can enroll them on studies that might try a new agent that has not been approved yet by the FDA. And again, it's a little bit of a revolving door of what's available for what specific graft-versus-host disease situation, whether it's acute or chronic and how many prior therapies they've been able to have. But it's very exciting to see those new medications becoming available for our patients. And there's one that we're developing now that I wrote um, specifically to start here in our institution. That's a combination of phototherapy and mesenchymal stem cells for steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease. So that will be an interesting one to open, which will be open later this year, where we're able to collaborate with you know the scientists here who have expertise in these mesenchymal stem cells. We are able to combine those with phototherapy to see if maybe together they might be helpful for kind of a stubborn acute graft-versus-host disease. So it's a neat way that the clinic is collaborating with the scientists at Case Western here. Wow. Does someone have to be transplanted at your center to be a part of the GVHD clinic there? No, I think anyone could come to be evaluated. Um, we have had patients, you know, who either move here from elsewhere or just come elsewhere for a second opinion. Okay. And they can just go through the usual new patient uh, navigation process. It would be just like someone coming to see us for any type of visit. So um, it's certainly open. Okay, good to know. Mm -hmm. So as we're starting to wrap things up here, how do you expect this wonderful clinic to change or grow over the next few years? I think one way that I hope that will grow will be to have additional trials open. You know, opening our MSC and phototherapy trial will be very exciting. And that may draw some you know people from elsewhere if they're interested in trying the therapy. One thing that I would like to grow with a clinic is to provide more educational resources for patients. I think that there are many wonderful online resources like yours um, <laughs> where patients can go that they often are not aware of. Just being able to hand them, you know, booklets and maybe sheets of paper that have websites of different areas that they can to go and learn more. I feel like raising awareness about graft versus host disease and connecting them with other patients would be, you know, very empowering for a lot of our patients. And when I first meet someone, I always ask them what they already understand about graft versus host and what they would like to learn. And it seems like there's a bit of a gap from the time that they get their diagnosis to learning more about it. I think we're not as used to providing patient education around graft versus host as we are about their original disease. And I think the more that 
patients get connected to resources, I think the more they'll feel, I think, empowered and will ask more questions and become more active parts of their disease treatment. Another thing that I'm very lucky about with my clinic is I have a really talented um, nurse practitioner I work with named Linda Bear, and she is um, sort of in, we're extensions of each other. So when there are more patients for either one of us to see, she's able to help and we essentially share the patients together. And so she also is now starting to see them outside of our usual day. So our day is, you know, try days when we typically set aside for graft versus host. But if there's a patient with an urgent need, you know, she can see them on other days of the week. And so expanding our availability is important too. And of course, you know, I think the fact that we're, because we're a small program and we do have some flexibility in our time because of how much time we spend doing, you know, clinical trial development and research, we are able to, you know, if a patient really does need us to just get up and walk over, you know, from our office to wherever the patient is to provide extra recommendations. And we get a lot of sort of informal messages and questions about the graft versus host disease patients if they're not on our schedule, but if they're seeing somebody else. And the fact that we're able to be available, I think is really helpful because we're the continuity, we're the consistency with that patient. And if someone sees them once or twice, but doesn't have a great handle on how their symptoms usually are, it can be challenging to decide how to manage any changes. And when we're the continuity for them, and we are able to see them over, you know, more days and the more available we are, I think the more helpful we can be for their care. Absolutely. Wow, this is great. There's a lot here. We do see on social media, in fact, just the frustration uh, with graft versus host disease. And I get to witness a lot of times the just the friendships that develop. They're all so compassionate, the patients with each other, the survivors and mm-hmm. guiding each other and answering questions. Just, hey, I've got this skin thing and they'll even put a picture up. Mm-hmm. Anybody else deal with this? And uh, so we do know that education is so important. And thank you for mentioning uh, the link. We have so many graft versus host disease resources on our website. We have our new book updated. So I hope that people listening will take a chance to uh, visit nbmtlink.org to check those out as well. Also, I mean, I've been handing out to patients the link for the online library from the recent Survivor Symposium, just because in particular, there seem to be themes sometimes about what people seem to be concerned about when they come in. And right now, you know, one seems to be fatigue. And there was a great session on that. And so many other things that I feel like they may not know to ask, but if they go and look at all the topics, they might recognize, you know, something that they're experiencing too. And if, you know, in Graf versus Host, I would imagine, it seems to me that it can be isolating and lonely sometimes if you don't see anyone else with your particular symptom, but then to know that there really are people out there who would like to learn more and would want to help you through it and to not feel so alone or so isolated, I think could be very helpful. I think you're referring to BMT InfoNet Symposium. Yes. They have a fantastic library of resources. And I'm glad you actually mentioned that because uh, between the link and BMT InfoNet, they can find a lot of what they need. So that's another great one. Thank you. So as we wrap this up, is there a patient in mind maybe or that you could just mention what they might have gone through and how your clinic really made a difference for them? I think, I mean, there are probably a couple different examples I could think of. Um, One is a little bit related to sort of the continuity and the consistency that I had mentioned before between um, Linda and I who work together. I think that 
there are many situations where patients are seen. Uh, we have a really outstanding post-transplant clinic where nurse practitioners and physician assistants see our patients anywhere up to three times a week after their transplant, you know, to assess for um, a variety of complications afterwards. And one of them is graft-versus-host disease. But one of the challenges there is that the patient may see a different provider than in their three days a week. And if there's a slowly developing symptom like graft-versus-host disease can be, you may have three different people assessing, you know, they may have different ideas of how bad it is or how severe it is, or they may have different understandings of how quickly something developed or maybe bothering the patient. And so, you know, there was a patient recently who came in and was trying to describe that they had new onset diarrhea and they were about 40 days after transplant. And the person who saw them thought this sounds very concerning for graft versus host disease. And they did the appropriate testing to rule out infection and sort of asked us for our recommendation, should they go ahead and try the steroids to start, you know, as an empiric treatment, meaning that we are highly suspicious that the graft versus host disease is starting, but we're not sure, but it sounds worrisome. And should we go ahead and start the steroids? But before doing that, you know, such a high dose right away on a patient who already had some, you know, risk factors for steroid side effects, we thought, well, let's, you know, do our usual sort of methodical assessment where we had him take home a hat to measure the stool for a 24-hour period with the idea that let's make 100% sure that he's having enough diarrhea to warrant the steroids. Okay. And then come back the next day or have us call the next day and let's see exactly how much diarrhea there was and exactly how, you know, he's feeling. And by being a little bit more methodical in our approach, he was able to measure that he actually didn't have that much. It was just the way he was describing it, you know, that made it seem more concerning. And we were able to spare him from the amount of steroids that we would have had to start and then wean off. So sometimes it's like a close call in terms of sparing someone from the toxicity of graft versus host treatment. Um, another example where maybe we would do more intervention would be a patient that was referred to our clinic after seeing the their transplant physician for quite a while who had chronic graft-versus-host disease affecting their eyes. And over time, it seemed like the eye symptoms were getting worse. And we were able to get them in to see ophthalmology very quickly for an assessment for scleral lenses, I think much faster because of our own sort of internal connections. We have specific providers within the different subspecialties that we work with. And so I think if the regular physician had tried to do it, it might have been harder. But because we have our you know, our close connections were able to get patients seen very quickly. And so we were able to have that referral done much faster. So I think those are some ways that we can either spare unnecessary treatment or get people to the treatment they need a little bit more quickly. Oh, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. And I know that this is going to help so many people. And I know everyone's going to want a clinic at their center now, <laughs> like yours. <laughs> we'll include some links for some of the clinical trials in the show notes. And uh, anything else you think might benefit people that are listening to this today? Any last remarks? I would love to thank the NBMT link for the opportunity to share information about our program. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge the staff at the Simon Cancer Center, the physicians, the advanced practice providers, nurses, and support staff are working together to care for graft-versus-host disease patients. And the patients themselves, I want to say too, sometimes someone will bring up a trick that works for their symptom and I always write it down because I feel like it might help somebody else. And so I like to share that. And I'm you know, so excited about forums like this where people can 
share information with each other because our, our ultimate hope is, you know, for people to feel better. And so anything we can do as a collective group to help each other feel better is uh, worth it to me. So I'm glad that I can be a small part of that. Well, I think you've been more than a small part. And I think that is the perfect sentiment to wrap things up with. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This has been the Marrow Masters podcast. Feel free to share this episode via text, email, or social media. Don't miss an episode. Follow Marrow Masters in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to connect with the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, visit nbmtlink.org or click on the link in our show notes.